We are continuing a series we began last week calling Living in His Presence. Last week, we spent most of our time kind of talking about uh, what it means, that word presence. What, what exactly does that mean? So we kind of defined that word presence. We talked about the difference between God's omnipresence, that, that divine uh, attribute where he's everywhere at the same time, constantly encountered, and his manifest or made known presence. And that's kind of what we drilled down on. Uh, the way that we, because uh, in a way we can leave God's presence, we can leave his manifest, his made known presence. And the way that we do that, we talked about this last week, is uh, you just disobey him. All you got to do is don't do what he told you, to, told you to do or do what he told you not to do. And that's the easiest way to leave his manifest presence. We also talked about the way to enter his presence, and that is through our praise and our worship. And see, we have control over both of those. We have control over whether we are entering God's presence or leaving God's presence. So this morning, I want to, as we kind of pick up from last week, I want us to look at this link between music, or kind of a little bit more develop that idea of, of music and praise and, 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 and our coming in or living in his presence. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about worship, more specifically instruments and our worship, because music plays a huge role in our culture and society today, not just here in North America, but around the world, even in the church. Even in the church, we see how important music is to a church's worship service. So this morning, we're going to talk about not just the role of instruments, but how God has equipped us with instruments to aid in our worship of him. But to understand this close link between music, instruments, and our worship of God, we need to go back to the beginning and kind of see how this whole thing got started in the first place. So uh, we're going to look at three questions to kind of guide us through our message, our study this morning. Why, who, and what? The first question is why. Why did Satan fall? Why did Satan fall? Satan, as many of you might know, is an angel, but he's a fallen angel. He was cast out of heaven when he rebelled against God, and he took a third of the angels with him, the Bible says. But why? Why why did he fall in the first place? Well, in a word, pride, but that pride is what caused him to want to do what was only reserved for God or or to to, uh, uh, try to attain and acquire what was reserved for God, which is worship. So it was pride, but, but a more accurate word would be worship. That's why he fell. He wanted to be worshiped like God. And as we read through this passage that, I'm gonna, that we're going to read here in a second, I want you to notice the number of times that Satan talks about being lifted up above the Lord. In fact, he does it no less than five times, all right? There are five things that he said in his heart that caused him to fall from heaven. And every single one of them, listen, every single one of them have to do with being lifted up or exalted, which would be worship, okay? Isaiah 14, verse 12. How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. It's talking about Lucifer here. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. Verse 13. You, talking about Lucifer again, said in your heart, I will ascend, that's go up, I want to go up higher, to heaven. Remember, he was already in heaven. Think about that. He was already in heaven at this point. He wanted to go even higher, even higher, all right? He says, above, not below, above the stars of God, I will set my throne on high. There's another word, high. I will sit on the mount of the assembly. Mount would be the highest part of a mountain. In the far reaches of the north, and north is always up. North is always at the top part of a map. Verse 14, I will, here it is again, ascend, that's go up, 
Above the heights of the clouds, cloud, where are clouds? They're up, right? They're, they're, they're uh, things that sit way up high above the earth, all right? Uh, above the heights of the clouds, high in the sky, I will make myself like the most high. Now notice, he didn't say like the most holy or the most loving or the most compassionate, but he said, I want to make myself like the most high God. And then notice God's response. Verse 15. But you, talk again, addressing Lucifer, you are brought down, the opposite of what Lucifer wanted. Lucifer wanted to go up. God says, you are brought down to Sheol, to the far reaches of the pit. So Satan wanted to be lifted up. He wanted to be exalted. He wanted to be worshipped. He wanted people to honor him. And all of us, listen to me now, all of us are born into this life, we're born into sin, or born into what theologians would call an Adamic nature. Actually, a more accurate description would be satanic nature. Because neither Adam nor Eve were the original sinners. Lucifer was the original sinner. So technically, we're not born with a sinful or Adamic nature. We're born with a satanic nature. Turn to the person next to you and say, did you know you have a satanic nature? Go ahead, go ahead. Now, aren't you glad you came to church this morning? (laughs) To hear your pastor and your neighbor tell you that you were born with a satanic nature. But it's true. We were born with a very selfish, preoccupied nature that wants to do, like, like Satan, we want to be lifted up and exalted. We want people to look at us, to talk about us, to compliment us. And if you're pushing back now, if you're doubting that, oh, pastor, I'm not like that, let me ask you a question. Who's the first person you look for in a group picture? <laughs> right? We just uh, got a, when we went out and did our family vacation in uh, Breckenridge, uh, the kids surprised us, hired a photographer, and so, and some of you maybe have seen some of these pictures on social media, but, uh, so we got all these pictures yesterday, and so, and I actually posted one for our, my profile. Uh, excellent pictures, by the way, but seriously, I, I got to thinking about this message, and sure enough, I found myself, when I looked at a new picture, who did I look for first, right? You look for you, and, and, and if you don't look good, it's a bad picture. That picture's no good. Take it off. Take that off Facebook. Take that off Instagram, right? But if it's a good picture, you want to you put that pu- puppy up everywhere. You know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You want to get 8 by 10 glossies and put them around town, right? <laughs> What's interesting, not only did Satan start out wanting to be exalted in worship, even after being cast out of heaven and brought down, up until the very end, he was still seeking to be worshipped. This is amazing. Look at the last book of the Bible, the Revelation of John, Revelation 13, verse 4. And they worshipped the dragon. Who's the dragon? The dragon is Satan. Revelation 12, 9 tells us that the dragon was Satan. For he had given his authority to the beast, and this is the beast is talking about the Antichrist, and they worshipped the beast, saying, who is like the beast and who can fight against it? Note the very last part of that verse. Who can fight against it? Talking about the Antichrist. See, that phrase was actually lifted from the Old Testament. It was a statement that the children of Israel put in their songs about Jehovah God. It was part of their, and here's our word again, it was part of their worship of God. They they would worship God saying uh, comments like, who is like our God? Time and time again, when, when when the children of Israel, after God would lead them to victory in battle, they would sing a song, and oftentimes you come across this phrase, who is like our God, and who is able to make war with him? 
And then John tells us that here in the end times that there will be people singing that about Satan. That very same thing about Satan. Satan's plan from the beginning has been, is, and will always be to steal worship from God. In fact, one time, this is really amazing, one time Satan actually tried to get Jesus to worship him as well. Matthew tells us about it. Matthew 4 verse 8 says, again, the devil took him to, talking about Jesus, took Jesus to a high, a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Verse 9, and he said to him, the devil said to Jesus, all these I will give to you if you will, huge statement here, if you will fall down and worship me. That's amazing. That's amazing that Satan even tried to get Jesus to worship him. But notice how he phrased it. Notice how he phrased it here. If you will fall down and worship me. Okay, listen to your pastor here. Because worship, true worship, true worship is always expressed. Always. He didn't just say, if you'll worship me. He said, if you will fall down. It wasn't enough for Jesus. No, he wanted Jesus to fall down in an expression of worship. See, the reason worship is always expressed is because worship is love. And love, true love has to be expressed. True love is always expressed, isn't it? Then if you say you love someone but you don't express it, that doesn't mean anything. You have to express your love. The reason I'm saying this is because there are many people that will come to church and not express their worship. And while this kind of happens to a lot of people, I will tell you, I'm going to call you out, guys, it happens more commonly with men, doesn't it? Because guys tend to be less emotional, at least when it comes to worship on Sunday morning, right? But Sunday evening, Sunday night football, right? Chiefs have it fourth and goal at the two-yard line, behind 17-13 to the Broncos. Mahomes drops back, spots Kelsey running across the end zone, fires one of those sidearm bullets. Kelsey catches it. Then let's see how unemotional you are, guys. Then let's see how unemotional. And I'm just not expressive. Oh, yes, you are. Oh, yes, you are. You're selectively expressive, right? And look, that's okay. But I'm telling you that the area where we should be most expressive, we're not. And look, as much as I like Mahomes and Kelsey, they didn't die for you. They didn't die for you. So why would you hold back? on expressing love and adoration to the one who died for you. Come on, guys. Be honest. Be honest with God. Be honest with yourself. It's time to quit hiding behind that lame, I'm not an expressive person excuse. Man up. Start being the priest of the home and be who God called you to be. Be an unashamed, passionate worshiper. All right? So that's the why. That's the why. Why did Satan fall? Because he fell because he wanted to be worshipped. What about who? Who created instruments? Well, the answer is God created instruments. We read in Isaiah uh, chapter 14, verse 12 earlier where the prophet is talking about Lucifer's fall. But look at the verse right before it in verse 11. Isaiah 14, 11 says, Your pomp is brought down to Sheol, the sound of your harps. Some translations say stringed instruments. This prophecy is talking about Satan or, or Lucifer's fall because he wanted to be worshipped. But it mentions this in the context of talking about his stringed instruments. Now, all right, file that away, and let's go over to another prophet, Ezekiel chapter 28. Ezekiel 28, verses 11 and 12. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, 
raise a lamentation over the king of Tyre and say to him, thus says the Lord God, you are the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Okay, real quick, got to do a history lesson here. Even though Ezekiel mentions the king of Tyre, he's really addressing Lucifer. Okay, it's one of those Old Testament prophetic things. Just like the passage that we read in Isaiah, if you look back and put that in context, he mentions, Isaiah mentions the king of Babylon, but we know he was talking about Lucifer. Okay, uh, there are a few occasions in the Bible, especially where it's addressing the end times, where the prophet or the writer mentions a man, but it's actually addressing the spirit behind the man. In fact, Jesus actually did this once. Remember the time he was talking to Peter, but he said, get thee behind me, who? Satan. He was talking to Peter, but he was addressing Satan. So I just kind of wanted to clear that up. It it might say, Isaiah said king of Babylon, uh, Ezekiel said king of Tyre, but it's talking about Satan. They're addressing Satan there, all right? Says, you were once, the Good News translation says this, you were once an example of, look at this, perfection. How wise and handsome you were. Then, next verse, verse 13. Now, here's how we know it's talking about Lucifer. Ezekiel 28, verse 13. You were in Eden, the garden of God. See, the king of Tyre ruled approximately 3,000 years after the garden of Eden. So we know it wasn't literally the king of Tyre that was being addressed, but the spirit that was manipulating and orchestrating the events in his life. From the biblical account, we know that there were four people in Eden. There was Adam, Eve, God, and Satan, all right? And he says, it says, you were in Eden, the garden of God. And the prophet continues. Now watch this closely. Ezekiel 28, 13. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardius, topaz, and the diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was created, not born. Let's continue reading here. Verse 14, Ezekiel 28, you were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you, you were on the holy mountain of God, you walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. All right, we all know what a cherub is. A cherub is an angel, right? But here, notice we're told that Lucifer wasn't just an ordinary angel, he was an anointed or specially gifted angel with a certain level of authority. This is really a topic for another sermon, but depending on which commentary that you read, there were either one, three, or or seven archangels, all right? Now, what most Bible scholars will agree on is these three angels, Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer, all three of them play, or in Lucifer's case, played an important role in heaven, all right? Let's read on. Verse 14, Ezekiel 28. You were the anointed cherub, who covers or or has authority, established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. Verse 15, you were, now look at this description of Satan. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. Isn't that amazing? Satan had it all. He had it all. He had everything. Verse 17 says, his heart became proud because of his beauty and his wisdom, and he became corrupted. Folks, Lucifer had it all, and it wasn't enough. He wanted more. He wanted to be worshipped like God. Verse 16, Ezekiel 28. By the abundance of your trading, we'll come back to that statement in a second, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. I destroyed you 
O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Now, it's talking about Lucifer, all right? And how the reason he was kicked out of heaven was because of his trading. The old uh, English, the King James says, merchandising. Okay, so what's this talking about? What's, what's this talking about here? Well, think embezzlement. What, so what did Lucifer embezzle? Worship. He embezzled worship. See, this would be like, uh, uh, let's say uh, Doug and Sarah uh, Clam hired someone to manage Milestone Event Center, okay? That they just started getting so busy, and I'm sure that they would love that, where they actually hire a manager to take care of all the bookings there, all right? So let's say that, uh, that someone booked it, and uh, they, so they paid $300, and this manager uh, deposits 200 into Milestone Bank account, but then puts 100 in his pocket. That's merchandising. That's what this Hebrew word means. It means that, it, that, that he's not the owner of the store, that the money does not rightfully belong to him. It belongs to the owner of the store. It was only supposed to pass through his hands, and yet he reached out and grabbed some of it for himself. Folks, that's what Satan did. He was embezzling worship from God. As the worship leader, as the worship leader in heaven, before he was cast out, Satan, Lucifer, was embezzling worship that rightfully belonged to God, all right? And that's why he was cast out of heaven. Okay, how do we know that Lucifer was the worship leader in heaven? Because we're told specifically that he was created with instruments. Remember I mentioned that there were three anointed or, 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 or three archangels, Gabriel, Michael, and Lucifer, which coincidentally, think about this, there are three pillars that the church, that the New Testament church is built on, prayer, the word, and worship. And so every time we get together, think about this, every time we get together as a congregation, we're going to have worship, we're going to hear the word, and we're going to pray, okay? But, but even in your personal time, even in your quiet time, you should always incorporate those three things. Your, your quiet time should have worship, your quiet time should have prayer, and your quiet time should, spend, you should be spending some time in the word. Now, when you look at the biblical references for each of these angels, Look closely, and you're going to see a pattern begin to develop. For example, Michael. Every time you see Michael, the archangel in Scripture, he's answering prayer. Daniel chapter 10 comes to mind, all right? He came to, to, to answer the prayer of Daniel, help that prayer get through to heaven. So Michael, when every time he's mentioned, it's always in the context of prayer. He rules over prayer. Gabriel, every time you see Gabriel mentioned in Scripture, he's bringing the word of the Lord. All right? He brought the word of the Lord, think of the Christmas story. He brought the word of the Lord to Mary, the mother of Jesus. He brought the word of the Lord to Zechariah, the, the father of John the Baptist. So Gabriel brings the word of the Lord. So Michael rules over prayer, Gabriel rules over the word, and Lucifer used to rule over worship. So he started embezzling it, and then he got kicked out. And here's how we know he ruled over worship. Remember Isaiah 14 said, the sound of your stringed instruments. And then look at verse 13 of Ezekiel 28. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. Timbrels and pipes. The English word for timbrels would be tambourine. All right, be tambourine. A timbrel is simply a, a, a percussion instrument. All right, what about pipes? What's that talking about? This would be a reference to, to like a wind instrument. A musical pipe is something that you, you blow through to create a sound, like a flute or a clarinet or what I played for one year in the fifth grade, a coronet or, or a trumpet. So now watch this. Don't lose me. This is important. 
Watch this. Isaiah 14, 11 talks about the sound of Lucifer's stringed instruments. Then, here in Ezekiel 28, it says, the workmanship of Lucifer's percussion and wind instruments that were prepared for him on the day that God created him. But think about this. And then here's our big idea. Here's the big idea for this morning's message. God not only created us to worship him, he equipped us to worship him as well. All right, think about this. Each of us were also created with those three categories of instruments, wind, string, and percussion. To this day, to this day, and if you play an instrument, you know this, every musical instrument falls into one of those three categories. They're either strings, percussion, or wind. All instruments fall into one of those three categories. Now, granted, you know, wind can be divided into brass and reed, but it's still, it's still a wind instrument. You have to blow through it to make a sound. But all instruments have strings or their percussion or their wind. We all have our own. Listen, this, this, this is amazing. This is amazing. We all have our own percussion set. It's called our hands. It's called our hands, right? But we also have our own set of strings. Where? In our throat, our vocal cords. But what about wind? How, how, how do, how, how do, how do they, you think the strings work? We have to blow wind through those strings to get sound, right? right. Isn't that pretty cool? I have to say, you know, I'm preaching a lot better than you're responding. That's all I got to say. <laughs> I mean, I, this, is, this is really cool stuff, isn't it? Seriously, I don't want you to miss this. As, as the heavenly worship leader, Satan was created with instruments, but he fell. Because he was embezzling worship from God. And then God created you and me with instruments. That's just amazing to me. You know, there's there's more that happens when musical instruments are played and and when we sing than we might suppose. Let me me read you some scriptures here. 1 Chronicles 13.8. David and all Israel played music before God with all their might with singing on harps, on stringed instruments, there's the strings, on tambourines, there's percussion, On cymbals, there's percussion again. And with trumpets, there's wind instruments. 2 Chronicles 5.13. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that the the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. That's God's presence. 2 Chronicles 5.14, next verse. So that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. That's what I want for us, folks. That's what I want for us. For God's glory to so fill this place. And I believe that that's what God wants for us as well, that his presence is so real, it's almost tangible. You can almost reach out and touch it, where, where you feel so close to God that you almost feel as if you could just reach out and, and touch him. We want to see God's glory fill this place. But, but that only happens when we begin to recognize why we were created in the first place, and that's to worship him and then begin using the instruments that he created us with to begin doing that, to praise and worship him. So why did Satan fall? He fell because of worship. He was embezzling worship from God. Who created instruments? God created instruments in Lucifer, and then after Lucifer, he created instruments in us. And then here's point number three, or question number three. What did God do? 
more than you think he did. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2 says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, most Bible scholars believe that this verse is describing what happened right after Lucifer was cast out of heaven. That, that what Ezekiel described in Ezekiel 28 and what Isaiah described in Isaiah 14, that that actually happened between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. Now, I'm not here to argue for the gap theory because that's, that's what this view is called. But, but one reason that this view is embraced by many is because of three words or phrases that we find in Genesis 1, verse 2. That phrase, without form, in the Hebrew means chaos. When Lucifer was cast out of heaven to this earth, he brought chaos. Void means emptiness. He brought emptiness, and of course, he brought darkness. Chaos, emptiness, and darkness. So when Lucifer, when Lucifer was cast out of heaven for embezzling worship from God, he was cast down here to earth, and he brought chaos, he brought emptiness, and he brought darkness with him. So what did God do? At the creation, think about this. At the creation, the very first thing God did was address those three things that Satan brought to this planet when he was cast out of heaven. Watch this now. The very next verse, Genesis 1-3. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. First thing God did, he dispersed and dispelled the darkness. You see that? All right. Genesis 1, verses 4 and 5. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. The next thing God did was he brought some form of of order to the chaos. Let's have light at day and and light at night. The light at night is called the stars. Let's put some stars in the sky. Genesis 1, verse 9. Then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. Here God begins to fill the emptiness, the void that was left when Satan was cast down here. And as you read on in the creation account, we see how God created plants and and mountains and trees and flowers, and then he created living creatures and birds that sing and all the animal life. And he created it all. He brought fullness to the emptiness, he brought light to the darkness, and he brought order to the chaos. But there's still one thing missing. Still one thing missing. So humor me for a moment as I share how I take some liberty here and and share how I I think this might have played out. Because remember, this would have been after Lucifer, the former worship leader that was in heaven, was cast out. He got fired and kicked out of heaven and, and was cast down here to earth. So after God addresses these three things that Lucifer brought to this earth, all right, polluted the earth, those things that he polluted the earth with, I picture Lucifer kind of mocking God. So big deal. So what, God? All right, so you brought light, you brought order, all that kind of stuff. So, so what? So who's going to worship you? Who, who's going to be your worship leader, God? You don't have a worship leader anymore. Who's going to be your worship leader? Who's going to give you praise? Who's going to give you glory? And at this point, I can see God reaching down, grabbing a handful of dirt, molding it together, blowing into it. Voila. There's Adam, and from Adam came Eve. And I picture God looking at Satan and says, here's my worship leader now. Here's my worship leaders now. Only one problem. Satan showed up to the new worship leaders, who also had instruments created in them, and said the exact same thing. Watch this. Satan said the exact same thing to them that caused him to fall. He said, you can be like God. Isn't that what he said? You can be like God. 
Remember what he said in Isaiah 14, I'm going to be like the Most High. And sadly, Adam and Eve bought it. And in an instant, those, three, those same three things that Lucifer polluted the earth with, darkness, chaos, and emptiness, were reintroduced to this planet at that point. But the story's not over. A little over 2,000 years ago, watch this, a little over 2,000 years ago, once again, God said, let there be light. And sent his son into the world to bring light into this darkness. But he also created us in his image, and he created us with those instruments to worship and praise him. And I'm telling you, dear ones, when you worship him and you praise him and when you use your instruments that he created you with for the glory of God, it will not only fill this house, it will fill you as the temple of the Holy Spirit, and it will fill your house at home as well. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Let me pray for you. Like we do each week, I want to begin by having you ask the Lord what he wanted you to learn from this message. If, you know, if you took the time to, to come here, or if you took the time, those of you from our e-campus, if you took the time to tune us in this morning, if you took the time to do that, I believe God had something to say to you. So I, just ask him right now, just ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, what did you want to teach me from the, what did you want to say to me through this message? And then ask yourself this question, and be honest, are you expressing your love to Jesus? When we gather here on Sunday mornings, see, if you think the message is the highlight of the service, you're missing it. You're missing it. The highlight of the service is when we use those instruments that he created us with to, to worship him and praise him. And you, me, we all need the glory of the Lord, not just on Sunday mornings. We need it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We need it the rest of the week as well. He gave you instruments that go with you everywhere you go. If you'll just take a few minutes and begin to use those instruments, no matter where you're at, use those instruments that God gave you to worship and praise him, then the glory of the Lord will fill your house. For those of you who've never taken that first step of faith, entering into a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, or maybe you did at one point in time, but if you were honest, you, you would admit that you're not, you're not close to God right now for whatever reason. It doesn't really matter why. This isn't about the past. It's about the future. It's about going forward. It's about your next step from here. And we all have a next step. So if that's you, it would be my honor to pray with you so that you can be reconciled to God, the God who loves you, the God who has a plan for your life, the God who allows you to call him Heavenly Father. So if you would just pray this simple prayer with me to say, Lord Jesus, I do believe that you died for me and my sins. I ask you to forgive me. And from this day forward, help me to begin to live my life for you using the instruments that you created me with to direct my worship towards you and you alone. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name.